We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. Appreciate you guys for being here, for stopping by. We are live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres. Uh, If you guys are tuned in on the podcast, definitely want you to uh, go on over to my YouTube channel and check it out. We do these live shows. I'm trying to do more of them uh, when I can, when my computer cooperates with me. Um, apologies for being a little bit late today. Uh, I tried to keep you guys in the loop and tweeted out that I had to push it back just a hair. Um, but I'm going to try to go for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour around there. Um, my computer was cooperating with me when I was out of town for a majority of the month, but now that I'm back, it's kind of been a little wonky. So I'm doing everything I can to, um, you know, keep it on track and, um, have everything running as smoothly as possible. So yeah, today, in today's episode, we have an Oregon football recruiting mailbag episode. Uh, I tweeted out on my Twitter, at Torres Sports, asking for questions. And you guys really came through with some awesome questions. So I'm excited to dive into some of these questions. Um, uh, yeah, so I think only other thing I was going to say, I, I'm going to see how many I can get to. Um, if I get If I can get through some of these, then maybe I'll try to get some of them because I'm already seeing some of them are popping up in the chat. Last note before I hop into everything, um, if you guys would like to support the channel with the super chat function, that would be a huge, huge help. Um, but obviously that's not required. So just wanted to make you guys aware of that because I know I haven't done one of these in a while. But without further ado, how about we get into it? So the first question of the day comes from... A longtime friend of the program, uh, Gerard Berry. So thanks for the question, Gerard. Uh, always have some cool conversations with you about the Ducks. Gerard's question is, barring injuries, key players transferring out, or any other unforeseen reduction in the current roster, do you think Lanning et al. are done with the 2022 roster? If not, what position group do you think might still be altered before the season begins? hashtag ducks dish so that's another cool note thank you for using the hashtag ducks dish um i'm going to start asking for that when i call out for questions always nice to kind of keep pushing the brand out there and uh you know getting that on social media but in regard to the question um i would say i think for the most part it looks like oregon is is oregon's 2022 roster is is looking pretty solid um you know we might see uh, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to speculate on transfers um, by any means because um, I don't have an intel on that specifically. Um, but as far as adding anyone to the team or like a position group that, that might see some additions, I think that I would probably go cornerback um, because the Ducks are still really thin there, right? You did a really solid job shoring up some of that depth in the transfer portal by signing Jaleel Florence. Angelo Tucker, and also uh, getting Christian Gonzalez out of the portal. I think that was really big, and Oregon's hoping that Gonzalez can be a plug-and-play guy, and that's kind of the impression that we've gotten from seeing him in Eugene you know, throughout spring ball and, and since he's been here. Um, but you also lost Jalen Davies to UCLA, which was a little bit of a head-scratcher because it looked like he was a guy that was in position to get some good snaps this year, get some more playing time after DJ James headed back home to his home state of Alabama. 
going to Auburn. So I think cornerback, if if the Ducks are able to get anybody out of the portal, I think that that would be a good addition for them just because they are very young at that position. Not a whole lot of guys that have played a ton of football, especially with Triquas Bridges moving back to safety for the most part. I think that the secondary coaches, Matt Powledge and Demetrius Martin, have kind of talked to us about having Bridges still kind of bouncing back with corner a little bit. He played a lot of a lot of snaps at cornerback last year with Dante Manning, who was banged up um, in spring ball and didn't play in that spring game. So um, maybe maybe we see Triquez come back down and play some more corner, but it looks like he's really comfortable being back in the, the back of the secondary as a safety, which is where he played in high school. Um, so I would say corner as far as any position that I think that um, might still be altered before the season begins as far as adding guys. The whole thing with the transfer portal is really, really wonky. Um, I was doing a little bit more research because I don't believe it's still technically closed. We're seeing guys still committing all over the country. But the one thing I, I want to just preface here as far as any transfer portal stuff, it looks like the deadline for players to enter the transfer portal and receive immediate eligibility for the 2022 season was May 1st. So what I'm kind of thinking now or the impression that I'm operating under is if a player wants to get immediate eligibility for the 2022 season, if they were to commit say today or tomorrow, for example, uh, I would think that they would need a waiver of some sort. A, a good example is Jordan Addison. He committed uh, to USC on May 19th. That is his first transfer, I believe. So in that regard, he should be able to have immediate eligibility, but the, Recruiting deadlines with the transfer portal have uh, really kind of gotten crazy, and so is my hair, which never seems to cooperate with me. So you'll have to have to bear with me there. But thought that was a cool question to to start off today's mailbag with. Um, so let me kind of just I'm shifting around a couple things on my my end of things so that we can get a solid show and trying to get some tape up for our next question. So. Just give me a second. Right. Okay. Let's see what the next question was. And then we will hop into it. All right. Okay. Next question comes from Colby Vaugh. Thanks for the question, Colby. Colby's question is, do you think Connerly Jr. has enough physical strength to get reps at left tackle other than mop-up duty? With Bass returning, I'm not sure we need big minutes, but who knows? Yeah, so Josh Connerly, I'm getting some highlights up here. I think um, I think he, he definitely has the athleticism that you want from, um, from an offensive lineman, certainly. One of the things that was interesting when it comes into – his evaluation is that at least on, on the film, I haven't had the chance to see Connerly in person. Uh, a lot of his tape is, is in run blocking. Uh, so we don't really have a, a super good sample size when it comes to evaluating the past, but you can see on tape that he definitely has the physicality that you would want, but Oregon is pretty deep when it comes to the offensive line. And then as far as left tackle, like that's a really difficult position to, you know, put that faith in for a freshman. Um, that doesn't really happen at Oregon too much. You obviously look back at, at Panay Sewell and how he thrived as a freshman in, in 2018, but that's not something that is, is super common. Um, so I think, I think that we could see him get some reps this year, certainly along the offensive line. Um, I'm not sure we necessarily see him start because the Ducks do return a lot of guys uh, at that position along the offensive line. Um, you only lose uh, George Moore from last year. Uh, who did man the left tackle position a lot. And then TJ Bass towards the end of the season, he kicked out uh, to play some left tackle and they were shifting around a lot with Ryan walk being hurt. And then um, with Alex Forsyth battling some back spasms. So I think for Oregon, they're in a position where they have some comfort in terms of guys that have played a lot of snaps. Um, but you also have some versatility because guys had to kind of shift around during the 2021 season. So um, from, from the physical strength, um, I, I, I think he, he has some, he has, that strength is there to get reps at, uh, at an early stage in his college career. But like you were saying, I don't think Oregon necessarily needs the big minutes, but who knows he could get here in the, in the summer and then just absolutely dominate. 
and end up being too good to keep off the field. He was, is rather Oregon's top commit in the 2022 class, the highest rated guy in that class is a five-star. I think 247 has him as the number 15 player in the country for 2022. So they're in an awesome spot, uh, especially all on the offensive line after getting Connerly. I thought that was really important for them, um, seeing that after this season, they're they're you know positioned to, to lose some guys along that offensive line. And then they also got Dave Uli and Kavika Rogers. So they're just comp- continuing to kind of um, you know fill those holes that could be coming up. But certainly in the 23 class, I think the offensive line is going to be really, really important. Okay, this next question I'm definitely excited about. Um, this one's coming from Mikey G. Mikey G says, welcome back, Max. Seems like a long time. Need my Oregon football fix. Speaking of, who has the lead right now in recruits? Lachlan uh, or Junior Adams? And by lead, I mean most talent on paper, not number of players. Thanks. Hashtag Ducks Dish. Thanks for using the hashtag, Mikey. Um, especially I didn't even ask for that, but now I'm going to, like I said, with the Gerard's question, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to keep asking folks to, to use that in the future. So let's just kind of run through who these two coaches have been able to get in the fold for Oregon since they got hired, since they joined the, the staff. Um, let's see what we have here. So for, for Carlos Lachlan, the, the new running backs coach at Oregon who comes over from Western Kentucky, uh, these are the guys that he's added uh for Oregon uh some of which are eligible this year then some are going to be you know joining Oregon in 2023 so you got Jordan James the 2022 running back out of Murfreesboro Tennessee flipping Jordan James from the defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs so that was huge and then he brought over Noah Whittington from Western Kentucky and I know that uh this staff is really really excited about Noah uh he really showed out well in the spring game and I think he's he's someone to monitor when it comes to this backfield to have a really big role. I think that Oregon has a good mixture of guys at the running back position when it comes to some, some more bruising style. I think that's kind of what you have with Byron Cardwell and the next guy that Lachlan was able to add Marquise Bucky Irving, who comes over from Minnesota. He, he racked up a thousand all purpose yards uh, after um, shoot. I can't remember what that other Minnesota running backs name was, but I know he got hurt last year. Uh, he was the, the starter. So, uh, Bucky came in and really, really did a good job picking up the slack. So added him. And then where it gets interesting is Locks also added a couple preferred walk-ons. He added Ellis Bynum uh, from Central Catholic. That's an in-state power uh, in Oregon in the Portland area. Also home to Riley Williams, a major 2023 tight end target. And then also added Preston Alford from Texas as a preferred walk-on. And then you have Dante Dowdell the 2023 Picayune running back out of Mississippi. He's obviously not going to be playing for the Ducks this year, but a really strong haul. And from a numbers perspective, it's it's a little bit smaller than, than Junior Adams, but still really, really talented. Um, and I think you get a really good bang for your buck as far as that goes. And then Junior Adams, we're shifting over to talk about the wideouts now. These are the guys that he's added. He added Chase Coda, transfers over from UCLA, Justice Lowe, from in-state Lake Oswego, he was committed to Utah for a while, but Oregon gave him something to think about, and ultimately he ended up staying home to play his college football. And then more recently, you have Caleb Chapman, the Texas A&M wide receiver transfer. He committed just about uh, over a week ago. Um, I think he's viewed as a taller downfield vertical threat, so I think it's really encouraging to see Oregon adding guys that have some speed and the ability to stretch the field, especially after what we saw in the spring game. That looks like that's going to be a priority for Kenny Dillingham this year. And then Kyler Casper, the 2023 wide receiver, he was a, a he's an All-American quality guy. He's reclassified to 2022. So that kind of gives you a little bit of bonus points, I think, if you're if you're kind of evaluating Junior Adams and, and what he's done as a recruiter since joining Dan Lanning's staff of the Ducks. But we're not done. Also added jury on Dickey out of Northern California. He's going to be a 2023 guy. Most recently flipped Ashton Cozart, the Oklahoma commit, who's playing his junior and senior seasons out in Texas, but is originally from the Pacific Northwest. So it's a homecoming of sorts for Cozart. And then another guy who I think is a bit of a sleeper in this wide receiver hall is Cole Prussia out of Tualatin. For people who may not be too familiar with him, or with Tualatin, 
Um, I was myself learning more about the Oregon high school football scene uh, in 2021, especially when Oregon was in the running for Darius Clemens. I went out to Tualatin for an Oregon playoff game, uh, Oregon high school football state playoff game. That was when Darius Clemens was still at Westview. And then uh, Westview was playing Tualatin and Tualatin was just dominating just every phase of the game. Tualatin is definitely uh, just about as good as it gets when it comes to high school football in, in Oregon. And when we're talking about big names, Cole Prussia is a former Gatorade player of the year. Um, there were other schools in the mix there with Princeton and Oregon State, I believe. There was some combination of those two where I think that he was committed to to one or both of them at the same time. I'm sorry, that's that's escaping me right now. Um, but those are the run through of the guys right now. So to answer Mikey G's question, this is a tough one. Um, I mean, I think both of these rooms really got hit, right? These guys got hit by attrition following the 2021 season. He had Johnny Johnson. Uh, he ran out of eligibility. Jalen Red ran out of eligibility. Micah Pittman transferred. Um, and then Devin Williams, uh, he went to the NFL draft, uh, got, he was undrafted when undrafted, but now he's with the Baltimore Ravens. So kind of the way that I'm trying to look at this, I think, I think on paper it's looking like wide receivers, but in terms of guys that are maybe going to impact, make a bigger impact this year, I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of leaning towards Carlos Lachlan because I'm going to tell you why. Oregon's running back room hasn't been this wide open and I don't know how long. Um, I think that especially since I've been covering Oregon, it's it's for the longest time in you know, the past three, four years, it's always been Travis Dye and, and CJ Verdell, but both of those guys are gone now. And Byron Carbo is the only one who comes back having played some decent snaps. So he was in a good spot and still is to, to get to play a big role next year. But it's like this room has kind of been overhauled in a sense. Um, Seven McGee moved out to wide receiver. So that kind of creates a little bit of a need or certainly an opportunity for some more snaps, even though he's still with Oregon. I expect him to kind of be involved coming out of the backfield, but he looked really at home during the spring game at wide receiver. But Marquise Bucky Irving is definitely someone that I don't think is getting enough attention nationally, just in terms of what he, he did at Minnesota. That dude runs so, so hard. I was watching some highlights from his last season and he had multiple two, three yard runs that were entertaining to watch just because he was battling for every yard. And I think that you want to have that in your running backs. And Carlos Lachlan certainly wants a a hard nosed, tough running back. He he said multiple times throughout spring ball that his running backs really take on, (coughs) excuse me, his running backs really take on kind of his style and that's really how he is. He, he, he's a coach that likes to get on his guys and is, you know, he'll, he'll kind of get in your face, but he's not going to curse you out. Uh, I know that he, he's really, um, he's really proud about that. So I think when, just by being around um, Carlos Lachlan for a spring, I think that the guys that he's added to his room really, really line up with kind of the guy he is and, and the vision that he's laid out for us when we were able to talk to him for this Oregon backfield. Um, give me just a second. I need to get some, some water here. My throat's a little dry. So I think, I think with the running backs, all the guys that I've mentioned, um, especially Noah Whittington, who we got to see a ton of in the spring game. And then Marquise Irving, who we haven't really even gotten to see much of yet. I think that they're in a great spot to, to have a, a, a significant role in 2022. Um, Byron Carwell didn't play in the spring game. Um, Dan Lane called that move precautionary when he was asked about it after the game. But in a weird way, I thought it was kind of good that he didn't play, not because I didn't want to see him play. I love watching that guy run. But because we just we had so much unknown in that backfield, so it really gave us a good opportunity to see more of Sean Dollars, see more of Noah Whittington. And Noah Whittington, I think, Noah Whittington and Sean Dollars are kind of similar in terms of um, I think their styles, I think that they're both not massive running backs. I'm not saying they're small by any means, but certainly they don't have the same frame as, as a Byron Carwell. I think that they're both more like the all-purpose style. Noah Whittington runs super hard. And I think what's so funny about him is that 
coming from Western Kentucky, you don't think about someone who runs that much because they were, I think, one of the leading passing offenses in the country, especially with Bailey Zappi. Um, that was just an, an interesting addition. You see, okay, Oregon adds uh, Western Kentucky transfer, and you think, well, they're not really known for running, but let's see these stats last year. 101 carries for 617 yards, two touchdowns, uh, added 12 receptions for 58 yards. Um, so definitely a, a pretty a pretty solid stat line, I think, for, for Whittington. If you're looking for a yards per carry, that uh, that averages out to six yards a carry, and he's really got that speed. I think in his highlights, um, when you're watching his highlights, he's definitely got that home run speed that you need to have in your room. So keep an eye on these new additions for Oregon at the running back spot. Like I said, we haven't seen Irving yet, and Jordan James isn't here yet. So that, um, and he's you know going to be the youngest guy in that room coming out of high school. So. Things are looking real solid for the Oregon running backs, and um, but man, I think with with those wide receivers that Jordan that Junior Adams has has brought in, um, I'd probably say I'm super super excited about Chase Coda after seeing what he was able to do in the spring game. Um, I was talking to Ryan Winter, my buddy over there, Sports Chat five hundred three. You got to check him out. Um, he he's kind of talked. He talked about Chase as being you know a third down receiver. We were talking about it after the spring game. And he was saying, you know, that's a guy that's going to get Oregon a lot of first downs when it's when it's a third down and they need to squeeze out those couple of yards. So he's fast. He's a playmaker. He's tall. So I just really liked how Jay Butterfield, when I was watching him, he was really able to not only have that good chemistry, but have the confidence to just put it up there for Chase Coda and a couple of these other receivers too, where you kind of watch him, you know, throw it and you're maybe thinking to yourself, oh, like, I don't know about that one, but that's what we didn't see last year. Last year's quarterback play was so, so safe all the time that we never really, I feel like, saw Anthony Brown until maybe the Alamo Bowl. Just let it rip. Just just throw it out there and, and let these talented wideouts that Oregon really hasn't seen the likes of in terms of just an overall room, the, the depth that they've been able to have, the recruiting acumen that they've been able to have. Brian McClendon might not be here anymore, everyone, but Troy Franklin's still here. Dante Thornton's still here. Isaiah Brevard's still here. All three of those guys were all Americans coming out of high school, and Brevard hasn't seen a whole lot of playing time, but I think that he's going to be in the mix to, to be in the rotation. And then uh, seeing Troy Franklin and that Alamo Bowl just really kind of um, open things up, I thought was great. Um, and then uh, and then Dante just looks like he had that speed. Uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be great to see that that really unleashed this year. So. That was a great question for Mikey G. We had a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff there. Um, <laughs> exploring with Ben and Sam, saying Mikey G needs to be in the chat. That lazy, I mean, amazing guy. And then we got Mikey G in the chat saying quack. Uh, so sounds like we got Mikey G here. Hopefully he was here to to hear some of my question, but if not, he can obviously watch the the replay. Nice comment here from Mikey G. This is the kind of journalism we need, but don't deserve. Good stuff. Thanks, Max. Appreciate you, Mikey G. All right, let's move along here to our next question. Uh, this one's coming from Jake Backen. What position do you expect Oregon to target the most the rest of the 2023 recruiting period? Well, I got to start with quarterback, not in terms of guys that I think they're going to go after, but just in terms of what position probably needs the most effort has to be quarterback. And I feel like part of that is because They've already gotten Dante Moore on on campus for an official visit, so that's good. But at the same time, it feels like you've it's a little early. It's tough because he hasn't set a decision date. Jaden Rashada has set a decision date. Jaden Rashada was just here uh, week two week two weeks ago, uh, and it was great to get him back on the field for an unofficial on the campus for an unofficial visit. But now, now you got to get him back for an official visit. Jaden Rashad, just to talk about him, I don't want to jump too all over the place, but obviously we're talking about quarterbacks right now with this part of the question. Jaden Rashad is in Gainesville right now for his Florida official. They've been doing a really good job, Billy Napier, with that recruitment. Um, they've kind of come on later in this recruitment, but uh, obviously there, there's enough interest there if he's going to be willing to go across country for that official visit. That's his second official visit. He went out to... Um, 
Gene Rashada went out to Ole Miss for his first official visit. That was back in April on Oregon's the same day as Oregon's spring game, actually. So when we're talking Rashada, you have the Ole Miss visit that he already took, the Florida visit that he's on right now. You figure that AM is going to get a visit, and then that leaves some of his other finalists. You have Oregon, you have Miami, you have LSU. He was able to go out to LSU. I believe it was on that same kind of swing when he went out to Ole Miss. I think he also – I know that this spring he had a really big slate of SEC trips. I'm kind of just getting my dates a little mixed up, but I know he was able to see Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU uh, during that, and then he's been out to Miami before. So my Mario Cristobal was recruiting him when he was still out here at Oregon, so that relationship's still very much in play. But what's so complicated, I feel like, with Oregon's – quarterback picture from from the recruiting standpoint right you have two really really high profile guys in Jaden Rashada and Dante Moore Jaden Rashada has set a commitment date of June 18th Dante Moore hasn't set a um, commitment date but there's so many of the same schools guys they have so many of the same schools that are overlapping in this recruitment well, uh, once Texas A&M lost their commitment from Eli Holstein, who has since committed to Alabama, they were throwing out offers left and right, left and right. You get an offer like Oprah, like Oprah on the show. You get an offer, you get an offer, you get an offer. Uh, Rashada got the offer. Moore got the offer. Pierce Clarkson, the St. John Bosco quarterback, got the offer. He's currently committed to Louisville. Uh, so Texas A&M, I think, is feeling some of that pressure as far as just the need to get a quarterback. We all know that the quarterback is so focused on when it comes to the recruiting classes and serving as the face of the, of that recruiting class. And I don't think that if you don't have a good quarterback, it's a failure of a class because there's already a bunch of really talented guys that I've talked about, but for Oregon and their championship window, you got to get a guy that you think can contribute. I don't think that someone you get in 23 has to compete next year, but I'm sure a lot of Oregon fans want to want to kind of get away from this pattern of transfer quarterbacks. So you want to get some of these prep guys that you can hopefully have ready. Um, but we're going to have to see who ultimately gets the job this year. I think a lot of people, myself included, uh, think that it's, it's Bo Nix as the prime candidate right now for quarterback one. Uh, but, but Jay Butterfield and, and Ty Thompson aren't going to go away easy by any means. So, we still have a ton of time between now and September 3rd, that kickoff game in Atlanta. We just recently passed 100 days um, until kickoff, so definitely got to get some celebration in the chat for, for passing that milestone. Shout out to Exploring with Ben and Sam. Can we get some more likes, people? Why am I always a cheerleader? Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, if you guys are watching here live on YouTube, definitely take a second and smash that like button for me. It's a huge help, and while you're at it, Subscribe to the channel because uh, I'm, I'm pumping out Oregon football content all the time, especially recruiting. I, I love to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I really appreciate that and definitely want to keep it rolling. Um, okay, so that was the first part of my answer to Jake's question to bring it back. You see how quickly I can kind of just get on a roll here. And uh, uh, I thought it was some good stuff, though, so hopefully you guys agree. Um, but I wrote down three positions. So quarterback. I think that they're going to target the most um, just because you need to get a quarterback. We talked about Dante Moore. We talked about Jaden Rashada. Avery Johnson, though, he's someone that we didn't really talk about too much. He's an Elite 11 finalist that's really coming on strong as a prospect here towards the, it almost feels like the end of the 23 cycle, but that's not even the case. But with him, he, he wants to be committed before the Elite 11 finals, which is set for late June. And he's going to be coming out to Oregon, I believe, in mid-June. I think one of the dates I saw reported out there for his official visit to Oregon was uh, June 17th, which is the day before Jaden Rashada is supposed to announce his commitment. So you're seeing how important it is not only to get Jaden Rashada back on campus for an official, but you can't put all your eggs in one basket if you're Oregon because it's not a sure thing by any means. And you have to kind of have some some other options. And, and that's what we've seen as far as their recruitment of Avery Johnson. They're definitely showing that interest. Aiden Childs from Downey, he talked to me about wanting to get up here. He was recently at Washington. Um, so I think quarterback's definitely the position that you're going to be targeting the most in the 2023 class. We'll see if they, because uh, they, I mean, they even offered Eli Holstein um, right around the time he decommitted. So they were, they were looking at him for a bit. 
but I don't think that they were you know, a super serious contender in that one. The next position I'm going to say is cornerback. Um, I just recently did a video um, in a podcast, the one before this, Oregon's five most important recruits in the 2023 class. And I went with Roger Pleasant, who is just an absolute burner on the track field as an elite sprinter, the fastest man in California right now, 100 meter time of 10.14, I believe it was. Um, just with the freaky skill positions that you, you see these schools getting, you have to get a corner that is twitchy, is fast, can keep, can keep up with them and compete, you know, playing at, uh, Sarah out in Gardena, he's going against really strong talent. Sarah has been a NFL factory for a while, right? You have guys like Robert Woods, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, wait, no, I think Juju Smith-Schuster went to, did he go to Long Beach Poly? I think he went to Long Beach Poly. I got to check this. Um, give me a second here. This is embarrassing. I can't believe I don't know this. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster High School. Okay, yeah, Juju went to Long Beach Poly. Uh, yeah, Robert Woods is someone. Adoree Jackson went there, went to Sarah. Brian Addison, who's on Oregon's team in 2022, he went there. So there's a lot of really good talent out there. And Oregon is involved with a lot of really high-end corners in 2023. Another guy, Caleb Presley out of Rainier Beach in Seattle. He's been really, really um, high on Oregon for a long time in his recruitment. He was out here for the spring game. He has a national recruitment that features a lot of really big schools like A&M, um, Bama, Georgia. So a lot of corners to keep an eye on. But I think just where Oregon's cornerback room is at right now, you need to have more guys coming in at corner without a doubt, um, whether that be through the transfer portal or guys that you're getting here in 2023. So I would say cornerback is the other position that I would focus on. And then offensive line, which I've already kind of talked about a little bit. Oregon's in great spot with numerous elite offensive linemen, Caden Proctor, the five-star offensive tackle, the number one offensive tackle in 2023 out of Iowa He's going to be in Eugene for an official visit that June 24th weekend, which is shaping up to be a huge weekend. Miles McVeigh out of St. Louis. He's another really big name, offensive talent, offensive lineman. Uh, Oregon's in a good spot there as well. Spencer Fano was just on campus out of Timview in Provo, Utah. I know that he, he had some good things to say about Oregon. Keep an eye out for that update over on DucksDigest.com to get uh, Spencer Fano's thoughts on that visit. Uh, and then Landon Hatchett is another guy um, super close to Oregon coming out of Ferndale, Washington. I think they're looking at him a little bit more at center. Micah Van Willows out of Kennedy Catholic in the Seattle area. I think Burien is where that's from. Oregon's going to get an official visit from Micah. I talked to him a couple weeks ago. So offensive line is definitely a position that Adrian Clem and this Oregon staff is prioritizing in 2023 and is super important for them to hit on. We're going to take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast, and then we will keep it rolling with our Oregon football recruiting mailbag. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast. We are rocking and rolling Friday, May 27th with our mailbag. We got some awesome folks here in the live chat. Shout out to everyone who's here on the live stream at Oregon Football Max Taurus on YouTube. We're all just hanging out, having a good time. Next question comes from Ryan, Ryan Robertson. Ryan's question is, it seems like most of the recruits are taking all of their official visits during the offseason. I always remember players going to games for their official visits. So can you explain why that change has occurred? Yeah, this is a good question, Ryan, because I think that it's interesting when you look at the big picture with college football, some various schools have recruiting tactics that they are very uh, passionate about that they're not willing to budge on. A couple of examples, uh, I believe Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, they, they are very adamant about doing official visits during the season in the fall. Um, and I know that they kind of, I think that their deal is that they only offer guys that are committable. So they don't find themselves in the situation where it's like, well, you're not committable right now, but maybe you are a little bit down the line if some of our other options, you know, maybe aren't feeling us as much as we thought they were. Uh, and then Brent Venables, I thought that was kind of a, um, a more recent example, right? Ashton Cozart flipped to Oregon and then I was looking at this presser with, with um, Brent Venables talking about he, he doesn't really believe in committed players taking visits and he wants players to take their visits before they commit. Um, so I think when it comes to these official visits being taken during the off season, I believe that the main reason that we're seeing this change, Ryan is guys are just speeding up the process. Look at the signing day numbers. I want to say more than half, maybe even three quarters of a lot of the top guys are committing and not only committing, they're signing. They're putting that pen to paper uh, in December so that they can be early enrollees come January and they can just speed up the process. So I think speeding up the process is really where we're at and why we're seeing this change with the official visits. They're starting uh, in the spring you know, as early as late April, I believe, like we saw with Jaden Rashada when he went to the Ole Miss spring game. Um, so a lot of these guys, now that I'm talking to them, they're at the position, they're at the point in their recruitments where they want to get their official visits scheduled now, knocked out in the summer, then, you know, past last couple of weeks, summer, getting ready for that season, first game of the season, then you make your commitment. And really, I think it's it's good for them because they can just focus on being a kid after they're able to have all that off their plate. It's got to be a really big breath of fresh air when you're constantly on the road, flying coast to coast sometimes, taking phone calls from coaches, from reporters like myself. Um, it's exhausting, man. It's a really exhausting process. So it's got to be a big sigh of relief for these guys to make their commitments in a lot of cases before their senior season starts and then they can just focus on football, focus on their grades, focus on hanging with their friends because the high school process only comes around one time. So, um, you know, on that note, I, I mean, if I were a recruit, I would definitely want to take all of my official visits. And I think that you make a good point about how, um, I think you make a good point about how it used to be during the season. Cause I would want to go to, I want to go to a game at like a whiteout game at Penn state, I want to go to, um, you know, a game in Death Valley at LSU. I want to make it out to Gainesville. I want to go to uh, a Red Red River shootout, Texas and Oklahoma, right? There's all these games that I want to go out to. So I kind of feel like it would be fun to do it during the season too. But the dynamics of college football have changed. And these coaches want to get you on campus for the most part. I don't think that they're pushing it a lot. 
you know, the coaches that we've talked to uh, about that, whether it was um, Mario Cristobal or, or Dan Lanning, for the most part, I think they, they're not necessarily pushing getting guys here early, but let's be honest, there's benefits to it. You know, getting those spring practices under your belt, getting in the weight room early, getting your body adjusted, getting adjusted to the college experience. That's something that I think is, is super valuable for these early enrollees and does give them a leg up on uh, the rest of their class uh, classmates, the rest of that, that signing class. So um, I feel like it really comes down to speeding up the process and that early signing day, uh, with, which ultimately just kind of goes back to what I was saying about guys wanting to get there early. Next question comes from Aaron Martinez. Aaron's question is, what are our chances with Jaden and Moore, Jaden Rashada and Dante Moore, and do you think we will have a top 10, maybe top 7 class this year? Yeah, I've already talked about the quarterbacks quite a bit, um, but as far as chances, I think that you know there's still a realistic shot with, with both of those guys. With, with Rashada, that's a guy they've been recruiting longer. Um, and then Moore is someone who's been on campus multiple times since this. They've both been on campus multiple times since the new staff took over. I think they both came out in January and then in April as well. Or sorry, no, uh, Rashad didn't make it in April, excuse me, uh, May. So Moore in April for his official and, and Rashada in May for uh, an unofficial. But it's tough with, with, with Moore because um, – Notre Dame has been in the driver's seat, I would think, in that recruitment for the longest time. But that doesn't mean that other schools are slowing down. Obviously, that visit out to Oregon, I thought, went really, really well. But we'll see if it's too little too late because Notre Dame did so much work in that recruitment. But he's also probably going to go out to AM because I told you he got that offer as well. Uh, LSU uh, is, is still in the mix as well. I want to say Georgia's in the mix for him. And, and then I know he took a, a visit to Miami. I was just remember looking through some of his social media pictures. So I think that they have good, good, um, you know, good chances with, with both of those guys. But I think right now, if you had to ask me my confidence, I, I would say I'm more confident in Dante Moore right now, but even that's going to be an uphill battle. That's why I say it's so important to watch the recruitments of these other guys that are getting offers maybe later in the picture with Avery Johnson, Avery Johnson's a really intriguing talent. He ran for a thousand yards as a junior. And I believe he passed for a little more than 2000, maybe like 21, 2200. If, if memory serves, he's also a basketball player. So he's really athletic. Um, I think I remember seeing a comment somewhere about um, someone was talking about Avery Johnson, just kind of as a player and, and why they're intrigued. And he was saying something along the lines of like, man, if that guy were just a couple inches taller, but he had that athleticism because some of the more athletic quarterbacks are, you know, 5'11", six foot sometimes, like maybe like a Russell Wilson type. But um, basically the point was that he has the athleticism and maybe a more college quarterback uh, ready frame um, as far as being like a 6'3 guy. He's definitely very slight when it comes to the weight. I think he's like 170 or so. So he's going to need to put on some weight at the college level. Um, but yeah, as far as the, as far as the quarterbacks go, Devin's uh, comment here, Oregon needs to finally get one of these top talents. I, I think that that's, that's definitely a priority for them. Um, I think it was a little tough as far as the timing goes when the staff came in, just in being a staff in transition and you know trying to identify your guys that might have been different from the previous staff uh, when they did, and you kind of have some ground to make up, but they've done the best job that they can. I, I really was impressed with how they closed in that 2022 class, getting guys like Jalil Florence back on board and then getting Casper, getting Connerly and some of these transfers have, have really put themselves in a good spot to make an impact this year. So second part of Aaron's question is, do you think we will have a top 10, maybe top seven class this year? Yeah, I think, um, I think top 10 is, is probably more reasonable right now. I don't see any reason why Oregon shouldn't be in the conversation for that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would say top seven right now, because I know that I think it was six or seven is their highest rated class, highest ranked class ever. And that was the 2021 class. Um, but what's, what's helping, um, what's helping this class, this uh, staff is that they've already brought, they've already got a lot of um, good guys in the fold. Um, and then they're getting guys out to Oregon in the unofficial capacity, which helps you get an official later, I think. 
So this staff has shown that they're just as relentless as Mario Cristobal's staff. And um, I really like how they've attacked it and how they're lining up these visits. Um, and, and I just think that they're still having that same effort and that same energy as the previous staff under Mario Cristobal. Maybe they're doing things a little bit differently um, behind the scenes. I mean, a super small detail that I think I always take a lot of interest in is like the photo shoots. We're seeing more uh, diverse locations when it comes to the photo shoots. You're seeing guys in the stands at Austin. I thought that was pretty unique. Um, you're seeing them in like the Oregon van that has like Nike uh, shoe boxes in it. Um, you saw Samson Okunlola's pictures as Pancake Honcho with, with the IHOP pancakes that they brought out specifically for his photo shoot. When I talked to him about that, he was saying that was a really cool touch that he wasn't expecting. Um, and then they also have these really cool new lights that they're putting in the background. That was something that I thought Texas A&M did a really good job of kind of setting the tone with. So is it going to make a difference how cool someone's photo shoot looks in terms of like, if they're going to go to Oregon, I don't think so necessarily, but it's just making that visit that much more special. And I think it's a really cool approach. It's something I like to follow. I love to follow all the aspects of recruiting. Uh, nothing's too mean school for, for me and, and kind of what I like to watch. So I think the top 10 is definitely doable, especially I think really with, with Tosh Lapoy on the staff. I just think that he was someone that Oregon fans have wanted on this staff for so long and he's finally here. So I think that coupling him with Dan Lanning to just have an awesome duo when it comes to recruiting and then Junior Adams, who's really been an awesome addition as far as recruiting and then Carlos Lachlan, who's been getting a lot of big time guys. Um, I think that's great. So Adrian Clem too, he, he has some recruiting chops as well. And I talked about some of those guys that Oregon's in the running for when it comes to offensive line. Um, and they're in a really good shot. So I don't know if I'm ready to say top seven, but I think top 10 is, is certainly realistic. And I think that they're in store for a, a big summer. All right. What else do we have here? Next question comes from on wonder is young a real possibility? Um, assuming he's talking about Lehigh senior five-star running back, Richard Young. Uh, I think the easiest way that I would maybe go about attacking this question is it got a lot more real, like three days ago, you know, these past three days when, when Richard Young was, was tweeting, you know, I'm going to Oklahoma for an official visit. Uh, I'm going to Notre Dame for an official visit. He was rattling all these off and I was following that. And I was saying, okay, like I'm waiting, waiting to see Oregon. Like, is Oregon still in the mix? Are they going to get an official visit? And then uh, I think it was looking like he was going to take an official visit to Ohio State. But then he tweeted out that, you know, I'm not going to be taking an official visit to Ohio State, but they're still going to be among my top schools. And then shortly after that, I'm coming to Eugene for an official visit, June, June 24th. Um, so that's just shaping up to be an absolutely massive weekend. And I bring that up because I think – especially with Florida guys, it's so hard to overcome that distance with Florida. I've, if you guys have followed me for a while, I've been adamant about how Oregon needs to get back into Florida, but man, easier said than done when you're just seeing a lot of these top, top schools invade the sunshine state to get talent. Uh, I mean, look at all these national champions. They have Florida talent littered throughout their roster. And we're seeing Ohio state go in there. We're seeing Alabama go in there. We're seeing Georgia they have a pipeline that's particularly strong to national powerhouse IMG out in Bradenton. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that um, with Richard Young, Carlos Lachlan is, he's what he's, what he calls an elite relationship builder. So he hasn't given us any reason to doubt him. I'm not going to go out and say that I think he's going to commit, but the question was, is Richard Young a real possibility? I think he is. But I think that with Dante Dowdell already in the fold, that is an awesome start. Now what uh, what I think the approach is at running back is, is finding a guy that that can pair with Dante. Um, Dante's, if you haven't watched his, his highlights, he's definitely more of that stick your foot in the ground, one cut and, and go kind of a guy. He'll stiff arm the heck out of anybody that is remotely close to him. Um I, th I think it's so cool that we have another Dame fan in this podcast, uh, in this chat. So shout out to D rock Irish, uh, for being here. You got to go check out my guy, Brian Driscoll, at Irish breakdown. He's doing a great job over there. He does a lot of shows just like this. Um, 
So yeah, that was the question about Richard Young. I definitely do think he's a realistic possibility, but we'll have to see. No commitment date set for him right now. Next question is from Kyle Simpson, and I will get to that question right after I take another drink because my mouth's getting dry. All right, Kyle's question. Just how big might that June 24th weekend be? I already have multiple four and five stars visiting, but how many more may come to Eugene? All right, so a couple of guys that are already confirmed going to be here. You know, they've announced that they're going to be visiting Oregon that weekend. We've got Richard Young from Lehigh, Florida, Lehigh Acres, Florida. Five-star running back. I believe 247 has him as the number two running back in the 2023 class. We have Caden Proctor, who I was just talking about earlier. We have Jaden Wayne, a much bigger, tar- a huge target that's much closer to home as far as Oregon's considered. Um, you know, just hopping on, hopping on the I-5 and, and coming down to Eugene. Distance is definitely on Oregon side there. They're the only West Coast school that's still in the running for Jaden Wayne. He announced a top six today on Friday that consisted of Oregon, Michigan State, Georgia, LSU, Miami, and Alabama. So it's basically Oregon and then heavy, heavy hitters in SEC country. And then you also have Miami, uh, who has that previous relationship like we've talked about uh, with a couple guys. Uh, but Jaden Wayne is going to be here June 24th. He is he is one of my top five most important recruits for Oregon in the 2023 class. You have Riley Williams, the Central Catholic tight end out of Portland. He's going to be here. Miles McVeigh, the big time offensive lineman out of St. Louis. Samuel, I don't, I hope I don't butcher this, but Samuel Pemba. He's the nation's number one athlete, or he's a very very high. It depends what rankings you're looking at. But he's a very, very highly regarded athlete out of National Powerhouse IMG. He spent a lot of time during the 2021 season as a bigger slot wide receiver. So Oregon already has two receivers in the full, Bajurion Dickey and Ashton Cozart. But man, would that be a way to get back into Florida to get a guy like that? What's been tough for Oregon is that they haven't really had much of a problem of getting these guys out to Eugene for a visit. It's been closing the deal. And what happens so often is that you have these SEC schools that are so much closer. They get out there and they evaluate and they host them for, for trips all the time. Richard Young has been to Florida like five times. It must be because uh, it's so close to him. That's not a luxury that Oregon has Portland to Wallaton, I was talking about earlier that they're, they're not necessarily, they produce solid guys. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to bash the state of Oregon, but just trying to really illustrate the disparity in talent between a California, between a Texas, between a Florida and the state of Oregon. Um, so they're able to get these guys out. A lot of times you'll see guys, Hey, I'll use my official visit to go out to Oregon because it's so far. Um, and then they get them on campus for a visit, but they're not able to seal the deal because a lot of these other schools have been in the picture for so long. So that's one of the things that I like about this new staff's approach. They're offering, 2023, 2024, 2025. Sometimes I think I may, might even have seen some 2026 guys. I need to double check on that, but I know for a fact I've seen some 2025 guys um, getting offered. So getting in the picture early is so crucial when it comes to any recruitment, but obviously you're going to have a better chance coming in late for someone who's located out West and maybe has grown up an Oregon fan. I can't tell you how many guys I've talked to that are you know, West Coast guys. I grew up watching Oregon, watching Anthony Thomas, watching Marcus Mariota. Um, there's just a, a ton of guys out here. So, man, Samuel Mpemba, I, I honestly don't know too much about him. I just know that he's a stud. A couple other guys that have been rumored to be taking visits out to Oregon that same weekend. Um, you have Terrence Green. And then there's someone else that I wanted to mention here. Let me see what I can find. Um, hold on. Give me a second here, folks. Just looking for this tweet. And then a couple other guys that that there's been tweets that they're going to be visiting, but I haven't confirmed them personally. I talked about Terrence Green, uh, defensive lineman, Michael Gardner, Blake Nicholson. Uh, I have a recent update on him. He's a, um, a, a really good linebacker out of Manteca, California. And then uh, another guy to keep an eye on, four-star safety, Tyler Turner, who was recently on campus in May. He's out of the San Antonio area. Um, let's see. 
He's in the San Antonio area at Brennan High School. And then after that visit, he announced a final two of Oregon and Oklahoma. So if he does indeed end up coming back on campus for a visit, then that's definitely a big help. But the question was who else might come. We don't know right now Mateo Uyunglele's visit schedule. Um, I think that it kind of looks like he has some good direction as far as the recruiting process and, and where he's at. You know, schools are starting to emerge. Um, I talked about some of those in, in my recent story about the most important recruits for Oregon. Uh, Oregon, USC, Clemson, Ohio State and Alabama, I think those are some of the main contenders there in that recruitment. Um, but he hasn't announced his official visit date yet for um, for Oregon. He's not really a big social media guy. You know, the times that I've been around him, he's, he's very reserved and kind of does his own thing, isn't really out there on social media very much. So we got to keep an eye on when he ends up coming out to Eugene. Um, probably stands to reason that Jaden Rashada won't come out that weekend because he's hoping to be committed by then. Um so that's the only other name right now that maybe comes to mind. I have to do a little bit more grind researching those guys, but um, let me see. That was all the questions I had for the mailbag, but um, oh yeah, this was a, this is interesting questions. So we've been talking about official visits from uh, see me on the big screen. Max, if you can, would you explain the difference between an official visit and an unofficial visit? Why do they only get so many of each? Well, from what I actually know, there's no limit on unofficial visits, but for official visits, the biggest thing is that the school essentially pays for the trip. Um, that's why you see a lot of guys that are from the Southeast that are from the East coast. They use their official visit. One of their official visits to come out to Oregon. That just reinforces the fact of why I thought it was so big that you're getting guys like Richard Young, Samuel, uh, Samuel Canlola, who are from Florida and Massachusetts respectively to come out to Oregon on their own dime. I think it just kind of helps put into perspective how much interest the guy has if he's willing to come out and visit your school unofficially. So then when an official visit comes, um, not only have, if you've hosted him already, you kind of can, can look back on that and think, okay, how did that visit go? What went well? What didn't went, what go well? What worked? What didn't? How do we tailor this visit to him? Um, I think that's huge. So it's kind of you get the red carpet treatment when it comes to the official visit. Um, you know, the, under the last staff, it was, you know, all these visits where I come up the elevator in the in the facility and then I have the whole staff screaming and everything. Um, so that's really big. Um, but that's the biggest difference is that the, the school more or less pays for the trip. It's kind of an all expenses paid thing with the official. Um, you know, the you'll see them get to their hotel room and they'll have all the, you know, welcome stuff. They'll have like a um, sometimes you'll see, you know, they got like food out there and like, well, like just welcome to Oregon and all that. So that's kind of the biggest difference to, to answer that question that I think will, will kind of, um, just help shed some light on the differences between officials and unofficials. Uh, let's see. Devin commented, still never won a title. We have to start playing and recruiting at the level of the blue bloods or, uh, kelp getting left behind or risk getting left behind maybe. Yeah. I think, man, I've talked to, you know, some, some, some coaches, some like high school coaches about the, about Oregon, not having a uh, national championship there. You would be hard pressed to find another program in this in the country in college football that would benefit more from winning a national title than Oregon. Uh, I think a lot of Duck fans that are watching this might be saying no, duh, but it's something literally as simple as you host a guy. We were talking about photo shoots, right? We were talking about photo shoots not too long ago. They would go from holding shoe dog, which is really cool. Don't get me wrong. Go from holding shoe dog or go from holding the sneakers up to their heads. Those are really cool. I like that to holding a national championship trophy. Winning is the best recruiting tool. People winning talks and man, Oregon's championship window is probably one of the most intriguing topics right now. Uh, I think that they've, the way they've been recruiting recently is, is definitely on par. I think, I mean, Texas A&M is a horrible example to use because that was just an unbelievable class. Right. But, um, well, I think Oregon's in a really good position to contend with blue bloods for recruits, just with the success that they've had recently, um, you know, with that Nike connection, 
that obviously is, is a big help when it comes to recruits wanting to go to a place that's going to be able to brand them well and help them grow their brand. Perfect example with Samson Okunlola, the pancake concho, and then they bring out pancakes for his, his visit. Just little things like that, I think, are, are really going to help. But um, I think they've been recruiting at a national, at a Blue Bloods level for the most part. Not every position, but they're recruiting just within the past five years has just night and day difference. Um, you know, Willie Taggart came in and I think he really attacked the recruiting trail hard, obviously didn't have the best success on the field and his exit was not graceful, but he, I think was the first coach that came to Oregon, at least in recent memory that really attacked recruiting. And then Mario Cristobal took over who Taggart brought onto his staff at Oregon. And then Mario just really laid out the blueprint that I think Dan Lanning's really just picking up right where he left off. I'm not saying they're doing the, the same approach for recruiting, but Obviously, Dan Lanning knows how important it is to, to be an elite recruiter and to be contending for the best prospects in the country after winning a national title at Georgia. All right, let's see if we have any more comments here. Um, let's see. Okay, here's a here's a question. This might be my last one, and then I got to hop out of here. Question from D Rock Irish, our uh, our Notre Dame fan that's been rocking with us for the show. Appreciate you hanging around. Question for Max, thoughts on the latest news regarding Pac-12 going 1-2 in conference play instead of divisions determining Pac-12 championships? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely interesting because I can't remember what the stat was, but it was something like, was it five five Pac-12 championship games would have been altered within the past 10 years or since, since uh, the Pac-12 championship game became a thing? Uh, I think it's great because... Let's see. I'm just trying to think of where the two divisions are at. In the North, you have Oregon is obviously reigning supreme in the North. And I think that there's not really a, there's not really anybody in the North that's, you know, super daunting as far as Oregon goes. I think Oregon state is obviously on the come up with, with Jonathan Smith and just the way that they're competing now, not worried about Washington. Jake Dicker is really interesting. I think that team Washington state Cougars are going to turn some heads this year with their full, their first full year with Jake Dickert, they had all the Rolovich drama going on last year. Um, and I was really, I really admired how they did. Um, Cal, not worried about Cal. Stanford, I think Stanford is probably going to have a bounce back year. I'm really interested to see what they can do with Tanner McGee. McKee. But when you're looking at some of the the stronger teams right now in the Pac-12, I, I kind of feel like I have to give the nod to the South. Uh, Utah should be the top dog in the South. We'll see what USC can do under Lincoln Riley. I actually just recorded my first episode of the Pac-12 Takeover podcast where I did a really in-depth preview of the Trojans in 2022. So head on over to the Takeover Sports Network. Um, I'm going to see if I can actually throw that here and see if you guys can so you guys can take take a look at that because I was really happy with how that came out and it was, it was fun to uh, kind of see how it went. So I'm going to throw that in the chat here if you want to look at some stuff, that episode. Um, but yeah, parody. That's kind of the thing I was going to. So you got Utah, USC is looking strong, but they, I mean, they're looking strong in the off season. They had a ton of crazy additions, but they went four and eight last year. So um, I don't, I think that they're definitely going to be competitive, but there's plenty of work to do there. And then UCLA has had their strongest season since Chip Kelly came to town. Um, so I, I feel like it's, it's good overall. It makes Pac-12 more interesting, I think, especially that I feel like it makes the conference championship game maybe a little bit more meaningful than it's been in the past because if you win your division and it is obviously worse, you know, say you win the North and clearly the North isn't as strong as the South, hypothetically, I think it kind of puts a little bit of an asterisk at your, you know, being in that game if you're able to win it. So to answer the question, I think it's it's good. It makes it's good for the Pac twelve especially since they haven't been the strongest uh, of the power five conferences. And, and it makes things more entertaining as far as the Pac-12 championship game to go. And it makes every game more meaningful, whether you're playing in interdivision or in, uh, in your division or in out of division. Why was that so hard to say? I don't know. Um, let's see. But yeah, um, got some stuff to, to work on here with the rest of the night. So Man, it was so much fun to be back here on the live stream. Really appreciate everyone that uh, took the time to tune in. Um, and if you guys are watching on the replay, let me know what you think about Oregon's 2023 recruiting efforts and where things are at with the Ducks in 2023 with uh, a big summer in store. Um, 
that'll do it for us here on the podcast. Definitely do me a favor and like and subscribe to the channel. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at mTaurus Sports. You can follow the Ducks Dish Podcast on Twitter at Ducks Dish. If you want to email us a question, ducksdishpodcast at gmail.com is how you can do that. And you can find my written content covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation's Ducks Digest. Ducksdigest.com is the where is the place to find me there. But um, shout out to everyone that was here in the chat. Had a bunch of fun. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Take care. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.